0: everybody welcome back to the suspense is killing me my name is lucas marino i'm your host matt Wilderson is with me today matt hey. how are you man good how are you doing dude i'm ex I'm, i was telling you before we came on i'm so hyped to talk to you because i've been reading gore this week and we you know nerd out a little bit about the backrooms cover um <laughs> And I've been listening to the Ghostwriters podcast, and it's just really cool for me to be able to meet with you today, find out a little bit about you as a writer, as a reader, as a fan of everything in this genre, and uh, find out what's going on in your life, man. So thanks for taking the time to join me.
1: Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and we were talking about kids right beforehand. I'm usually when I, you know, start the show with people, I ask them. You know, what's life for you like outside of writing? But when you have a little one like you do, I already like I know that that's could be a loaded question.
1: So. My, my life outside of writing is consistent of poops, um, feeding and just, uh, a lot of uh, children's books. Yeah. <laughs> and Bluey, yeah. which is fine, actually. <laughs> oh, you're at Bluey stage right now. Yes. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where we thought, what kids show can we put on that? isn't going to drive us insane at the same time. And <laughs> a lot of our friends that had just had kids were like, you should try Bluey out. And I, I went in negatively with it already. Cause I was like, this is a kid show. The, the, the title of this already sounds like I'm going to hate it. <laughs> but then we started watching I'm like, this isn't a kid show. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and Dude. it's, it's really good. The stories are good. And the whole like dynamic they tried to portray with family is appropriately like put together. It's just, not like stepping on toes being like, that's not how you should parent, but it's like, here's a good idea of how you could do this. And I've learned a lot, honestly, from Bluey. <laughs> yeah. Bluey so. yeah, almost, <laughs> hey,
0: can't beat that. I mean, you know, you can already thank your kid for contributing to your adult education.
1: Oh yeah. I thank him for a lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm, 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 I, I expect that you're probably in a similar situation to I when I was, when we had our first, um, we had our first son in 2007 mm-hmm. um, and I mean, it's life altering, you know, like it is, yeah, everyone tells you that, but I was like a crazy sailor at the time and, <laughs> you know, coming home was always an exciting thing for me, but then coming home to a baby, I was like, this is awesome. Like it just yeah, yeah. felt like it was so right. Um, but we had Yo Gabba Gabba, dude.
1: Like, oh God, Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I, I, you know, like, I did. I never sat down and watched these things, but I knew of their existence, you know. <laughs> and just seeing product merch and stuff enough, I'm just like, wow. I. Whoo-hoo.
0: So I'm sitting next to my toddler, and he's just jamming out to Yo Gabba Gabba, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this show is completely made for for people that like spent years on psychedelic drugs. Like this is not a kid <laughs> show. I'm thinking. I'm glad he's enjoying this, but I'm so entertained right now. I wish I had this like 20 years
1: ago, you know, it'll be one of those things like, well, I think he is older now um, to the point where he, he, if he goes back and watches any of it, he's like, Oh my God.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Um, Yeah. And then we had, and then we had our second son and he was into uh, the Octonauts and okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, the typical thing. My daughter was all over the road. She just did whatever the boys were doing, plus like 50 more levels of aggression. She was <laughs> she just like beating everyone up and like, you know, exerting... well, she, was,
1: she was the only girl she had to stake her claim. That's.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Far and away, the most aggressive of the three kids. We always joke around and I tell her like, like she got all this Sicilian blood like <laughs> it all went straight to her. My boys are so chill, um, which is not what most people tell me about their you know, their sons, they're usually like, dude, what do you do with boys? They're like, they're, they're like climbing on the roof. They're doing all this crazy stuff. I'm like, yeah, my wife and I somehow have managed to divert all that energy right to our daughter. So.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, my, my son, yes, I, I can agree with the whole, they're just climbing over everything because he, he learned crawling last month and it, I, everything that he shouldn't be into he's into and we have like a million toys and things for him to interact with. And that stuff's just like, I, it, it, it's like that thing. Like my son could be sitting there like, Oh, Hey, I see this toy over here that you spent like $250 on it. It's got all this like learning stuff on it and it's electronic and everything, but I'd rather stick my face in the dog bowl over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, bud.
0: <laughs> that's the way it works, man. Yeah. That's, that's the way it happens. Um, so like how long were you writing before all of this excitement happened? Like,
1: so been- I, I've been writing, uh, I think it, it was probably about four years before we had our son. Uh, his name is Vander. Gotcha. Um, and that was like, I was very prolific in that time period, like four years time. I put out, I think it's like 11 books if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, and I know there's more people pro, more prolific than that. But to me, I was like, this is pretty this is a lot of books, That's um, a lot of books. <laughs> he He's here now. And if I get a paragraph in in a day, I'm lucky sometimes because <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all day. It's all night. And uh, but, you know, I get it in when I can. That's basically the best you can do in that situation. Well, but- I, I commend you. I appreciate that because it it is a lot. It's a big difference. Getting gore out was probably the hardest thing I ever done in my life. (laughs) Like putting a book together, being a self publisher with a child with like a newborn. Yeah. That was so difficult and it took way longer than it ever, than it did any other book we put out. (laughs)
0: how, How long did it take for you to, to write and publish gore?
1: So luckily for me, with gore i kind of had the idea that i'm like this kid's coming like i have the nine month countdown clock nose of the grindstone let's just get this stuff done that was the plan but you know it's one of those things where you're not taught a lot about the stuff that's going to happen uh pre-child right (laughs) you know and there's like you know your wife's going to get sick she's not going to feel good and there's going to be more things that you didn't think that you might have to pick up and help with than you, you know, then when she's not feeling this way. Right. And I wasn't thinking about that. I was just like, Oh, I'm just going to write my ass off for nine months. <laughs> well, I only got halfway through the book by the time he came, <laughs> he came nice. out. So the rest of it was like, if he, if he fell asleep, I would try and keep him on my chest and I'd have my phone up in front of me, just using word on my phone and yeah. type it away as, as good as i could because if, if you ever had fat thumbs um <laughs> typing on a phone it's not really ideal <laughs> yeah uh and it was just i just kept going as much as i could through that time period and getting it finished with the writing side wasn't as difficult as i thought with the child i got that part done the editing part yeah was where the brakes really slammed on because uh, and we, we spoke a little bit about this before we went live about um, one of the tactics you use is you read out loud. Right. And I, I do the same thing. I read it out loud to myself because I'm like, if I hear something that sounds completely stupid, then obviously my reader is going to feel the same way. Right. So you can't really read out loud if your son takes a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're when they're just born, they nap a lot. Yeah. So yeah that was the that was one of the major hurdles so i had to change up editing styles and it just it took a lot longer and then the you know when you're doing it yourself and i do everything myself like the editing's me the covers are me
0: well i was gonna ask i thought am i incorrect in assuming that your wife participated in part of the editing process
1: yeah she helps me too with the editing um we, we do she'll do like an initial pass then i read it then we go through it like we do like three or four passes nice and um yeah that was really hard to do like <laughs> that yeah. final pass took almost like a month to get through just because of all that going on but you know it, it initially got there and the cover now don't get me wrong i love this cover for it but I feel like if I had more time, I probably could have even done even better. But that's just me being the artist that's like behind the thing. Like, oh, my work sure. sucks. But I like <laughs> threw that together in a weekend. <laughs> really? And then I hit publish on the book that Monday. <laughs> it was okay. just like, woo, it's done.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's I mean, it's you already have that like uh impulse to hurry up and get the book out there when you're that far into the project and it's like right there anyways right just compound right. that with all the fun of having the 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 little dude there to take care of and and nurture and the time constraints and everything it's got to be compounded
1: yeah Well oh, and and I you know for your listeners don't get me wrong I'm not complaining about my son being around I I you know I love him to death right um yeah it's just one of those things where you I I I feel like child raising should be a, a something that's taught in school mm-hmm. as like not not even an elective it should just be a course. And it doesn't <laughs> even have to be that in depth. It could just be like here's the things you should expect. Here's the things that could go possibly wrong and here's suggestions as to how to maybe write that ship and make your life a little bit easier. You know, it's just like no, just you you fit you, it's going to happen and Child raising to me came to be one of those things where I found it was like one of the most lackadaisical things when it comes to finding information for because you're like, <laughs> my kid's doing this. And it's always like, ah, it's fine. It's yeah, gonna, be right. Don't worry about that. Be right. My head, my kid's head's like spun around 360 and he threw a pea soup over the walls. Is that okay? That's ah, fine. <laughs> find a priest and some holy water. I'll clear that right up. You'll That's be- right. <laughs> they made
0: a movie about this. Why are you asking us? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's crazy yeah i i i feel for you man i i was not writing when we had infants and as uh, as you know i have three three kids and i was in the military at the time so my life was like ships travel ships travel mm-hmm. and i was able to uh to stay focused because my wife was you know like dude just go, <laughs> just go. but then i'd come back and it was like spend a hundred days out at sea with like a bunch of crazy guys and some Marines and then come home. And then there's like soft baby and like quiet times and like, oh, learning yeah, That's the a feeding. juxtaposition
1: right there. Oh. Yeah. I mean, learning
0: the feeding schedules and stuff. I remember the first night I was, um, I was home from a patrol and we had the baby and he was in a crib in the room with us. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I get, he ate right around two o'clock every night and I had just like knocked off at around 10 or 11 o'clock that night and um i just shot straight up like out of my sleep because one i'm already disoriented because i don't know where the heck i'm at because i have been in this room in this bed for uh three four months and then like add on top of that a baby crying like (laughs) i almost went right through the ceiling man
1: i was like what's happening (laughs) you do you almost get like a spider sense with it like yeah the moment a sound happens you're just like what the hell's (laughs) it yeah what's
0: happening It's pretty cool, man. So, so you had this experience with gore, right? Like I can now, now I see having read the book and having (laughs) known where you were, when you were writing the book, that must've been kind of surreal because I mean, I guess we could go ahead and dive into a little bit about what inspired gore, what it's about so people understand why I'm talking like this about it, but couldn't be further from, from what you were experiencing in real life. So.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so Gore was inspired basically just for my love of the Doom video game franchise, honestly. Right. Um, it, it started, the idea for it started in my head when Doom Eternal dropped. Uh, that game was so amazing. And mm-hmm. playing through it, I just, like, I had this thought. and I'm like, you can make a really cool story out of this. Not, not like, like they didn't already. But I'm like, you, you could change a few things. And, like, you could make your own little Doom-type story out of this. And then I immediately just was like, nah, that will never work. Because <laughs> the rational side of my brain kicked in a little bit because I'm like, well, what happens if, you know, like, the, you know, the Bethesda lawyer knocks on your door someday and they're like, hey, uh, we read this book. And then and then I stopped myself. and I'm like, that's never going to fucking happen. They're not going to find this book. <laughs> <laughs> if they do, it might be a good thing. Pardon my French. Am I allowed to curse on here? Oh yeah, yeah. No, okay, <laughs> Just yeah. To make sure. Um, but yeah, it, it was after I after I got myself to to think like it's fine because it's it's interpretation, it's fandom. You know, like you're allowed to do that kind of stuff. Right. Then I was like, okay, I need to I need to make this my own. What am I going to do? And the first thought was the setting in my mind because I'm like, it's always on Phobos or Mars if the person that writes it doesn't understand the Doom franchise Um, (laughs) and I was like I want to put it somewhere else I like they always do like Mars so it always looks desert like and Mm -hmm. I'm like it would be cooler if also the element itself of the planet that it's in is dangerous Mm. so I thought well why not like Europa it's like a completely frozen over planet with like this deep sea in it and I'm like okay that works I'm stuck on that. We'll go with ice. That sounds cool. Um, and Acidic then I went, What's that? Acidic ice. Acidic ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's like, and that was another, like, that idea just popped in my head because I'm like, I, I gotta have a little bit of lore as to, like, why the hell or, you know, why would anybody be on this planet to begin with? Because <laughs> you gotta have humans. I'm like, well, why the hell would anybody be on Europa? It's just a moon of us, uh, Jupiter. Like, right. why, why would you be there? So then it was the whole, uh, idea that Earth by this time, I think it was 3035 in my book, like we, hmm. we went through all of our resources, right? We would like, we mined and fracked everything we could, it's just gone, like all the dinosaur goops gone, you know, so we found out that we could mine like certain acidic things. And they found like po- deposits of it that came from like meteors and stuff that were from Saturn, or not Saturn, uh, Europa. So Naturally, they have a giant drilling machine that goes on Europa and that they search for this stuff. And uh, the captain of the vessel is a guy who is this is kind of like his uh, he's demoted down to doing traffic duty. Essentially, (laughs) they put him to like be the captain of this vessel and everything's going good until one day where they find these giant pings on the radar and they go digging. And it turns out to be these two sarcophagi and one is huge and the other one's the size of a human and there's a heartbeat in it a big human big human yeah yeah
0: he's a large guy
1: so then from there from that synopsis you can kind of pretty much get the idea that this is where the doom starts kicking in cuz they're going to you know the guy is going to come out and the big thing's going to be a big bad guy and it's from and and that's what when i went through the editing stage and when it hits the part where the monsters are starting to breach the uh, i called it the land drill right it is just a straight up action book from that it is there is like it doesn't stop at all and it just keeps going and i'm like perfect in my mind i was like this that's perfect and i there were a few small complaints like in the beginning where it was like oh it doesn't you know you don't get to learn about all the characters as much and i'm like that's that's that wasn't how doom worked doom is about the action you learn about the guy not the people that are there with him like right. it's it's just for blood and guts and gunfire and gore black, gore to testosterone <laughs> like that's all it is <laughs> and that's what i wanted to get across with the book and if i if i wanted to do it a different way and write in some of like the softer horror that i've done i probably would have went into some more character study but I just want an action book, you know, like every metal album is going to have that one track where it just uh-huh. rips the entire time. And there's like, you know, they're like, what's a bridge? You know, screw it. We're just going <laughs> to it's just going to be the chorus for the entire damn song. Who cares? Yeah. You know? <laughs> there may not even be a
0: chorus. We might just have like one killer riff that just yeah. destroys everything for.
1: Exactly. And you are. And that's five to usually the minutes. one that tops the charts. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: That's right. Um, so so maybe this is a ridiculous question to ask after after that explanation. But is there a theme that runs through this thing besides just kick ass action from basically start to finish? Because it does it does get right to moving uh, pretty quickly.
1: I mean, I did have like a small theme that it's if, if you pay really close attention to it. And, and I know it's there probably because I, I wrote it, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, I know some of the things that I want to interject, but I had the theme of like, even though it's all this action and there's all this stuff going on that you kind of want to feel for the people that are in these positions of like, major responsibility, right? Because like, you looked at the Captain Alandro, there was a couple moments where he would talk about like, it remind like he heard somebody screaming and it reminded him of like, when he used to be able to go to theme parks. And he would hear like the kids on the roller coaster screaming and having a good fun time and everything. And like he missed being able to just be what he considered a human because he he feels like he's not anymore. He's just a a cog in the machine to get more of this stuff, to send it down to earth so that people that are doing the thing that he just thought about can keep doing it, you know? Mm. And then the doom guy, I'll just call him doom guy. I think I I called him X in the book. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Subject X, right? Subject X, yeah. Like <laughs> for him, it's he he has to keep he, he has this mission to just get these things dead. Sense. Like they they ruined his life, they made him into what he is, and he just you know he hates them for it, but at the same time, he also would like to have that humanity back. Hmm. So I guess in a sense, like I, I tried to get a little bit of the idea of humanity put into the book but it's very minuscule compared to all the action and stuff that's going on
0: I was trying to count in my head how many times I read the word gore because you know it's the title so I'm like this is (laughs) it kept jumping out at me every time I'd see it um and it is a gory I'm not gonna I don't want to give any spoilers for those that haven't read it yet but if you're if you're looking for a quiet nighttime read This is probably something you should hold off on until the morning. (laughs) It's like, although I do read it at night before I go to bed because I'm like, this is great. You know, I'm like, I'm good with all that. But I did think last night as I was kind of wrapping the last 30%, I was like, if I end up having this crazy night because I'm reading this book right before I go to sleep. I'm gonna have a real fun conversation with Matt tomorrow. <laughs> so it's I'm kind of hoping that it happens, but you know, and I ended up doing my typical thing of just sleeping like a dead person. So um well
1: I'm glad that I'm glad you got some sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was great. So so I was really intrigued. Uh in fact, well let me just add one more thing. I'm the kind of person that can read close book and go to sleep Mm -hmm. if you're the kind of person that like your anxiety gets rolling or if your energy gets spun up or whatever do not read this book before you go to bed because it is an action book and you'll (laughs) be all wound up you'll be like great now i can't fall asleep because i've got you know this great action scene going on and i i can't let go you know Uh, i just i was in the military so i learned how to sleep anywhere at any time (laughs) right yeah (laughs) it's like i can just go click
1: (laughs) Out, you know, and it works. Um, I envy that. I really do. Dude, I mean, like, you had to go through some very uh you know different circumstances with your life than I obviously have to, but I would love to just be like, sleep now, conk, <laughs> I'm done.
0: My wife hates me because like I can take a 20-minute nap, mm-hmm. a 30-minute nap, and it's like I slept five hours, you know, oh. and she's just like, I don't know how you do that. If I lay down for 30 minutes i'm a mess for the rest of the day i'm like just another reason for you to not like me um (laughs) joking she's yeah although she would she would agree with me if she heard me say that so (laughs) um so like when you wrote the book okay now this is where my my musician background kicks in and i get a little i get a little a little too antsy what were you listening to when you wrote this book, man? Because like, are, do you listen to music when you write or
1: see, here's the part that's going to be disappointing for you.
0: <laughs> you don't listen to music. when you I write? don't
1: listen to music when I write. That's a um, thing. I, I tried it at, at first with this. Cause I was like, I, I writing what it's going to be. I'm like, I have to listen to metal. Like you can't it's like in, the, factory, in my mind, I'm gonna like, I'm right. going to put on a doom soundtrack. I'm going to have Mick Gordon ripping riffs in my ears. Like this is going to be amazing. And I tried it and I got too distracted from the music that I couldn't. I was like, okay. So what I adopted with this and I kind of am still doing it to this day, um, I go on YouTube and I find things I, I believe they just call them like infinity rooms. Yep. So it's like it's like you're at a cafe or something and it's just playing like background atmospheric music. And like sounds and stuff. And I just I usually kind of put that in the background. So as I'm like writing about uh, yeah. him ripping stuff in half and brains and blood going everywhere, um, there's like this soft jazz and rain <laughs> pattering on a window in a cafe somewhere during the fall, you know. It's almost better.
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking when I was reading it, and this is just, you know, I'm showing my age a little bit here, but I was like, dude. Fear Factory would be perfect for this.
1: I love Fear Factory. Oh, you know, like, would be, yeah. And I had the idea. I'm like, I should make like a, like a soundtrack for this, where I just like, you know, pull all the different things that would be incorporated for it. But yeah, it would be such a long soundtrack if I put all my favorites. That would that would work for this.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking because it's got that industrial kind of feel. You know, mm-hmm. the high speed, but it's also kind of like you know they've got a really good groove. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was thinking if, if Matt tells me he was listening to fear factory, I'm going to f- just jump out of my chair. Um, well, we that's get, what I had. I
1: said that <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go. Well, you did you, you thought it would be a good idea. So now I'm just going to say that's it. That's what we there did. There So, um, I, I feel like the music that, uh, we listened to, kind of sticks in our like when we're writing kind of sticks in our brain as part of the experience of writing that book right so like later on when you think back to when you were writing gore you're going to be thinking about those coffee shop kind
1: of tunes going on it, it, it happened during editing <laughs> like, right because i was like oh yeah i remember like i believe i was in like the cafe from twin peaks when i was writing this because i found one <laughs> that was that and i'm like oh, let's, and i put that on as i'm sitting there like cr- doing edits and stuff Nice.
0: Yeah. So was was there were there any lyrics in that music at all or was it all instrumental?
1: It was all just instrumental, yeah.
0: It's actually really good for your brain when you're writing, I think. Like sometimes people uh um uh just can't do lyrics while they're writing.
1: Yeah, well that if I hear lyrics I just want to sing along and that <laughs> Then my wife will divorce me if I do that. And then everything will just go to hell. So. Yeah, you
0: can't. Have, we can't have that. No lyrics. No <laughs> lyrics because lyrics equals divorce. That's not going to work. Um, yeah. So what. I mean, we talked about what inspired Gore, but mm-hmm. Gore is like book number over it. You've written over a dozen books at this point.
1: I think this is book 13. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's pretty awesome. And I should yeah. know that number. And I'm asking, I'm answering it like a question. And. <laughs>
0: I'm so prolific I can't remember all the books I've yeah. written. It's that kind of conversation. I love it. Um well, like, did you have so the the book before gore was the backrooms, right? Yes. Was what was your experience like writing backrooms? It's like it sounds like it had to be completely different than gore because the backrooms
1: was... went smooth as butter compared to gore. Um it was and that idea for the backrooms was like. I think at the time when I had that idea, there was a a YouTube uh, short like kind of show that was going on. There, there was a guy who was making videos about the back rooms, which um, for those who aren't familiar, it's a creepypasta about this place of never-ending corridors and weird constructions in this yellow like room of just buzzing halogen bulbs and all this weird stuff and there's like things in it too that you know obviously want to kill you because it's horror so why you know they don't want to show up and be like you want some tea like <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah we was watching those I'm like this is a fascinating idea I'm like I wonder how it would be to write it from a prose of it being like letters that somebody who's trapped in there is leaving behind and you're the new person that just wound up in this place Nice. And you're just finding these letters as the book continues, and then you're learning their journey, and what they're doing to possibly get out of it. Okay, and nice. that—that's basically how I want it It's like a series of letters, and it—it um, uh, it actually has coding in it, <laughs> <laughs> like and,
0: computer coding.
1: Yeah, because I was <laughs> like the—the the person that was trapped in there. Uh, her name's Oleander. Um, she well, she actually comes along along around like the third letter or something. You start with a guy named Greg. And, um, you know, if you haven't read the book, it's fine. Uh, this doesn't spoil that much for you. Uh, Greg, Greg doesn't do so well. And um, <laughs> then Oleander takes over for the letter writing, and she's, she's a programmer, and she's basically using the knowledge she has to try and figure out a way to write a gateway out. Because as she's been in there, she just realizes everything is basically just a program. The world as we know it is gone and this was all put like there was a program and, and this is where it, it kind of is adjacent with the matrix a little bit. Like the world that we know is all a program. Our consciousness is just in these algorithms that mm. keep us doing our everyday jobs as we did before everything went to shit, which I blamed on the Y2K bug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're See, we're in our forties. So. <laughs> yeah. for the youngins out there they're like what the (laughs) hell is that i'm like at one point in time we thought when the clock rolled over to zero zero for the year everything was going to go to hell
0: (laughs) yeah they really did
1: yeah we thought we were going to be like you know cooking over fires and beating like you know wildlife (laughs) with bones
0: (laughs) i was in trinidad when that happened and yeah i remember being down there and being like all right so what do we do if yeah, All what? the things what? people are panicking about actually happen. Do we leave? Do we stay? Like, are we, you know, because
1: we're on a ship. <laughs> like, Can we get out of here? Uh, I don't know why. Like when that when that happened, like that new year, when I woke up after like because I, I fell asleep before it even turned over. I, I, I think I worked like I was working in the kitchen at that time. And I think I worked like a 14 or 15 hour shift. I was just dead. And I went home and just went to bed. And I'm like, whatever happens. I'll deal with it in the morning. I don't know what's gonna happen with it, but I don't know why. Like, I ex- I woke up and I expected it to be like the future, you know? Like, I, I I don't know why. Like, like everything was gonna be like in Chrome or something. I don't know what I was <laughs> expecting, but like, I look out the window and I'm just like, huh? Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just it's all the same,
0: <laughs> dude. That is hilarious. Like, did you have like this moment of like you just don't want to open the front door? Or you're like. <laughs> Just kind of waiting, like hesitantly.
1: Well, I I kind of was, I was like, well, what if, what if everything did go to hell? But then I, I live in a very rural area. I have a house like by the river and my nearest neighbor is like a half a mile on each side of my house. So if there was something going wrong, I wouldn't know audibly. So I'd have to like drive like five minutes into town and then be like, oh shit, go back home. (laughs) Are you in the Northeast, right? Yes. Gotcha.
0: And, And so did you live in that same area during all this that you live in now? Yeah. Perfect.
1: I, I I literally moved two houses down from the house I grew up in.
0: Well, you know, that <laughs> so, could be a big deal. Like if you live in a city and you move a mile away, it's like a big jump. <laughs> so yeah. you, you two houses down half a mile to each neighbor. You're good to go. Yeah. You're good to go. It, it, it works.
1: You know, it, it's yeah. a it's a nice quiet area and I love it a lot. So it's, I, I was like, I can't see myself moving into anything that's an apartment or like the city or even a, like a suburb. I have to have this quiet. Right. And luckily enough for me, when the time was right, there was a house that, you know, was just there and it was affordable and I, I went for it. Good for Did me. that instead mm-hmm. of doing a college loan. So I don't, I don't know what, would the pay, you know, if the, if the scales were even with that, but you know.
0: Something tells me you made the right, right decision. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> just based on how things are going. with well, the yeah, office. the house has paid off. So I guess I did. <laughs> good
0: for you, man. Uh, So, so when did you start writing? Like how many years ago did you start writing?
1: Oh so if we want to say like the, when I started writing, writing, it was in high school. Okay. Um, I had this weird idea in my head for some, like, I, I I guess it'd be like a sci-fi, but it also had like religious tones put in there, which at the time, um, and, and this isn't to ruffle anybody's feathers at the at the time i i was religious in high school mm-hmm. i'm sure. really not anymore okay but um yeah i wanted to write this story about like this family basically gives birth to the second coming of jesus because at the time that was a big thing because like 2000s and that's the thing you got to put yourself in that headspace the 2000s were coming yeah and one of the things was it was either going to be the computers were going to ruin everything or the other thing was jesus was actually going to come back down from heaven, and then I guess he was going to ruin everything. I, I there was like that whole apocalyptic thing with with religion uh, involved wow. at that time. I didn't quite understand it, even being Catholic at the time. <laughs> I was like, well, wait, why would he do that? Like, like <laughs> why now? <laughs> yeah, I guess he was just like he was like, man, the millennium, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, guess, he wanted a part of it. He wanted a piece of the millennium action too. Yeah, millennium. So yeah,
1: like it was in high school. I probably I started dabbling with the stuff oh. and. You know, then girls became a thing and mm. a lot of hobbies usually kind of changed to just, you know, your focus on just girls. And then, um, you know, work became a thing and it, it went away for a very long time. And I think it was around. I, I can't even put a year on it. I'll just say I started doing podcasting mm. and then I was working in a comic book store in in York, PA which is the area that which I reside in. And um, the owners there knew a guy named Brian Keene. Oh. And they're like, hey, you should have him on your podcast. And I did. And we got along. And then he had me on his podcast. And then we were talking about writing. And I told him this one idea I had. And he's like, you should write that stuff. Like, you have good ideas. And then I said, okay, fuck it. I'll just start writing again. Why not? And you know, that's when it basically all started. So it was probably like, you know, like 2010 area possibly when that started picking back up again. No, not 2010. It'd be way later than that. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I suck with time. All your, re, all your listeners are going to realize that as we keep talking. Um, right. I suck with dates. When, whenever I have to fill out a part on a, an application where it's like, you know, when was the time period you worked at this place? And I'm just like, I don't know. Uh, between here and there possibly i don't know Just- well, don't
0: ever file for a security clearance with the government because it's like this <laughs> sf-86 form they're like uh you know we want the exact month and year of every house you've ever lived in your entire life you're like really you've moved me every three years for 22 years how am i supposed oh, to that's know that's not, not cool
1: that yeah. i would never be able to do that it's like is this a joke <laughs> no they're not joking they're serious That'd be like one of those surprise things. They're like surprise quiz. You should have been yeah. paying attention to this the whole time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. You should have known where you lived. Um, yeah. That's crazy. So, so I, I didn't, I didn't know that you, you knew Brian before this. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. Cool. I, I, and I was even on the horror show for a little while and then, um, that, that ended and then, um, Mary San Giovanni and I were talking in the background. We're like, Hey, you know, it was so fun. We should do another podcast. And then we uh, called our friend, Summer Cannon, we got her in on the fun. And then, um, you know, we started that, we started the Ghostwriters podcast and that show was, um, we didn't really know what we were doing with it at first because we wanted to do like, yeah, we we had, we had the intention. We're like, we want to give writing advice because you know, if you, if you are a new writer and you go online and you Google like, you know, oh, how do I do this? and you just get like a, a general wiki how where it's like three pictures and it's like you know write books send books success you know and it's like oh cool it's that easy um but as the episodes went on we were like we're kind of running out of stuff to talk about as far as writing advice is going and in the background though one constant that kept going on was we kept talking about bad horror films <laughs> so that eventually just became what it is today where we pick a movie uh, like one of us picks a movie and then we watch it and we talk about it, but we critique it in a way where we try to present to an author what they did wrong mm. from a technical standpoint and how you can either like, you know, dodge that or correct it if you find yourself in the same situation.
0: Right. And this is the so ghostwriters
1: podcast. Yeah. Right. So that, that's what we do with that show. I had another podcast called grindcast that that uh ended in june of this year gotcha. um that was going on for eight years we had wow. we ended on our 500th episode wow <laughs> yeah oh we won we won guns Ablaze in the beginning it was two episodes it was two episodes a week we did mm-hmm. youtube we did let's plays <laughs> like we we, we did wow. everything and i almost killed myself because it was way too much work it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on a one episode a week pace and that's all I can really manage with this show. Cause I've got another two podcasts I do for the nonfiction side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you yeah, know, it's a is. lot, it's a lot.
1: Yep. But, um, oh, I like grindcast is going to come back though for Halloween because we do a thing called Spooktober cinema. Um, much like akin to ghost uh, ghostwriters podcast. We we're going to, we, for this, for this Spectacular. We watch shitty movies and then we talk about the shitty movie that we watched. Um, What's the so, shitty
0: movie selection process like?
1: <laughs> well, we start off with, uh, cause there's three of us in the show. So we start off with each one of us picks a movie for an, for an episode. So there'll be three that we pick. And usually we try to leave three open for listeners to pick for us to watch. Oh, um, some years they've been very kind, the listeners other years, not so much. um, <laughs> Like last yeah. year we got, we watched Ernest Scared Stupid. And I'm like, this is my favorite Halloween movie of all time. So you're not phasing me. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> so Ernest Scared Stupid was one of the selections? Yeah. That was voted yeah. on by the listeners. Yep. That was one of the uh, listener uh, suggestions for us to pick. Oh you know, my gosh. Like, I'm like, how can I turn that down? It's a fantastic movie. Like,
0: So I was going to ask, my next question was going to be just because you got my wheel spinning when you started talking about you watch shitty movies. I'm thinking, is this a contest where they're like, all right, rate the worst horror movies, you know, and then like whichever ones get the worst ratings. So the ones you
1: end up having to watch. Uh No, we don't really, we haven't done like a rating thing. I like between the three of us on the show, I think we, we start getting a bravado between us where we're like, yeah, who's going to be the worst out of us this year. And <laughs> Uh, Jason, he usually tries to be nice because I, I think secretly he doesn't like watching bad movies. I don't think he finds a fun in it. So like the one year he, he said, we're going to watch perfect blue, the anime. And I'm like, this is a fantastic movie. It's well written, drawn, acted, everything. What am I going to complain about for an hour? (laughs) (laughs) He's doing,
0: you no favors. No.
1: So because he did that, then I'm like, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to pull one out of here and we're just going to watch the fourth crow movie. And he's like, what? Oh. I'm like, yeah, there was a fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. You didn't even know this. <laughs> no, not a clue. Yeah. It stars Eddie Furlong as the crow. Really? And David Boreanis is the bad guy. Edward Furlong is in that movie. Yeah. And Tara Reid's in the movie as well.
0: What? what? Yeah. When, what year? Well, I was going to ask you what year yeah, it was. in the year. It was in the <laughs> 2000s. <laughs> okay. After American History X. Yeah. Well after, after that. Movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: All right. It's uh I mean if you if you wanna if you wanna have a textbook example as to how you completely tank a franchise that was kind of already on its decline with even the second film, like <laughs> watch the crow the crow wicked prayer. It's it's god awful. <laughs> it's just it is quite possibly one of the worst movies I've ever watched in my life. Wow. It's in the top five. Because it's just It's nothing that the other, like any of the other movies did.
0: Dude, you've got me looking now. I don't know why I'm even looking this up right now. Oh my god, it's going to be that. Probably rent
1: it for like a quarter. Like it's. So, oh my god! And and because I am the person I am, I was like, "Well, if we're going to watch this, I need physical media." So I bought an actual copy.
0: of Oh my god, 2005.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 2005. So yeah, if the world, if the world ends and my house doesn't get hurt in the uh, whatever cataclysm is going to happen we will be okay. Cause I will still have a usable copy for our society of the pro wicked prayer.
0: <laughs> that is your contribution to the world yep. in its next phase. I'm
1: archiving <laughs> every important film we can have. <laughs> oh, it's so bad,
0: man. So oh, that, pff, now you got me all types of, I've got so many questions spinning in my head. You've got to <laughs> give me at least one good eighties. Like, cause I, to me, like we were just talking about like the VHS, killer vhs series from shortwave publishing right before we came on which by the way the listeners are probably they're probably ready to throttle me they've had to hear about this for the last uh few episodes because i'm like have you seen it have you seen it And it's really great so um but the, the reason why i think it's so cool is because i was a kid of the 80s and a teenager of the 90s and so in the 80s like the blockbuster weekend experience oh yeah sometimes we got the worst freaking movies because they look like the worst movie and we knew it was going to be hilarious, mm-hmm. you know? So like if you had one movie to archive from like the late eighties, that was just like the worst, uh, horror movie, which one would you drag in with you? Oh God. Um, <laughs> there's so many,
1: there are so many. Um, and I, I would probably have to pick, you know, cause I will say I'm probably not also the only other person that's going to throw a vote in this hat in this hypothetical situation that we have going. Right. Um, I'd probably have to pick a movie from my my favorite horror franchise ever, and it would be one of the later Friday the 13th films. Yeah. Um, I think I think part eight was in the late 80s, the one where he takes wow. Canada. It's supposed to be Manhattan, but they shot it in Canada. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I think I think it was in the late 80s that movie is just like I and don't get me wrong I will watch every Friday the 13th movie with a with a big smile on my face no matter how shitty it is just because i I love it you're I'm not allowed be absurdity of it
0: you're not allowed to beat yourself up about dates anymore dude you couldn't have picked a better like time it was 89 man I said late 80s there we you, go you pulled the movie right out look at you
1: <laughs> but yeah that movie is ridiculous re- ridiculous it's it takes forever to get going it's more jason on a boat than it is in manhattan um and he has like teleportation powers in this film like there's there's a part in this movie where a guy's running away from him and he's going up a ship's uh it's the mast yeah like he's he's climbing up that the previous shot before that jason walks in the scene and he's at the bottom like looking up at the guy they go to the guy climbing on the ladder. It's like five seconds later, Jason's right on him, and then throws him off from the top of the pier and the <laughs> mast. And I'm like, "How did he get up there?" <laughs> like, Jason, it's J- the you guy it who runs, he can he can scale buildings in a nanosecond. <laughs> yeah. that's crazy. It, it's just yeah, and all this all the kills are really lame, and it's just one of those things where there's only one scene that anybody ever remembers from it. And it's when he's fighting uh, the kid on the top of the roof and they're boxing. And the kid's boxing like going, Jason. he's going all out. And then Jason just uppercuts his head off yes. into a trash can. So Tyson-esque.
0: Yeah. I love it. So his head, not only does he knock his head off, like physically removes his head from his body with his fist, yeah. but then it goes into a
1: trash can. Yep, yeah. it, it, it falls off the building, rolls into a dumpster, and then the dumpster league closes perfect bag shot yeah (laughs) couldn't do it any better jordan was probably jealous at the time
0: (laughs) yeah the guy was in the uh chicago he was he was all geared up to play with chicago man you should have they should have
1: had they should have had jason come in and play a game for the Bulls, and that
0: (laughs) (laughs) he would have been perfect yeah so so you kind of you kind of talked about writing as a teen and you're talking about these movies you know, obviously, you have a passion for these movies. How much of an influence were these movies on your desire to be a writer? Like, did you feel like that was a way you could kind of express that artistic influence you had going?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, a lot of the movies I watched back then, um, <laughs> they, they, they gave me ideas, maybe not great ideas, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 I still have this fear as an adult where I am just a slightly above average functioning person on the scale of like mental acuity. And then everybody's just nice to me. So they, so I don't, you know, think that I'm stupid or something, <laughs> but it was even worse back then. Cause I come up with ideas and, you know, I had friends that weren't really in the reading. Yeah. So I'd be like, Oh, well, wouldn't it be cool if they did this or whatever? And they're like, just shut up and watch the movie. Like sh- you're ruining this. i like, oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Nice. <laughs> but, I even I had written a uh, a crow book kind of I, I didn't get the whole way through it was I had the idea and I wrote the first like maybe 30 or 40 pages of it because at that time every crow movie was exactly the same right you got a guy some bad happens to him he dies the crow brings him back and he's just like oh haha you can't kill me and then somebody's like oh yeah kill the crow and he's like oh no now what do I do <laughs> <laughs> my idea was that um something does happen but it's not because of gang violence or anything like that it's a natural death
0: Hmm.
1: and he dies with his wife and they you know he in the afterlife he finds out that his son was inside of his wife like they didn't get tested or anything it was very early on and he's brought back to then try and actually relive the life that he lost Hmm. but it was uh, there was like amnesia in there and he had to like piece the piece things together to like reform the life that he had. And by piecing it together, it wasn't like solving a puzzle thing. It was in the book. He, there was like an ethereal world there. He would have to go and find shards of th- stuff that looked like glass oh. to piece like mirrors together that would show him his old uh. life. Yeah. So <laughs> how old and, were you when he did this? Uh, I think I was like 14 sweet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Were you taking like any creative writing classes or anything?
1: Absolutely not. No, no. Yeah. And my parents actually had like the, they, cause it, it was the one time I think they actually nurtured the idea of me writing because it was just, I think to them, they didn't think I was going to take it seriously, mm. but they were like, you know, it would be cool. Like if you had like your own little typewriter. So like we went yard sailing and it just so happened there was this house that had this old typewriter and it still worked and i was there typing this thing up on that typewriter Seriously. and um, was it like an electric typewriter No, it was just the old-fashioned one like it goes across it dings and you got to push Dude. it over and Sweet. yeah and it was fun for a while until it, it started becoming a chore writing with that versus just using my computer
0: <laughs> yeah there's a lot of work that goes into typing on a Mechanical. And you got to
1: do like the pointer finger thing because like all the keys are spread so far apart. You can like you can miss easily and then you like cut your finger on that stuff. And
0: And if you're like me, you like you type faster than you're you're supposed to like your brain and your fingers aren't paced right. And and you if I mean, it's a nightmare on a mechanical keyboard or a mechanical um, uh, typewriter because of erasing like it's
1: it doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a thing
0: you know, like (laughs) I would I would have never made it back then.
1: Yep. And that's what I, I remember how like all the mistakes and I would just had to go in with like either white out or I would just like just scribble it out with a red pen. And it, it was like, man, well, how the hell do I make this actually look good nice. if I want to finalize manuscript word processing? Yay. Yeah. And that's why I just like look over the computer. It's like, well, that has a delete key. So that, so, that, that alone is an advancement compared to. Yeah. Thing. Yeah.
0: Big time. So we've we've heard that you were influenced by movies at that time in your life. What about I mean, obviously, you were reading a lot. What, what kind of books were you reading? What, what got you into writing suspenseful fiction, whether it be horror or sci fi with a horror band or whatever?
1: Well, the first uh, first things I ever read in my life were scary stories to tell in the dark.
0: Yeah, it's so good.
1: I, I feel like that's a gateway book for everybody. It really when, was when they get into the horror genre, especially like. Yeah. I, and I know it, it's kind of split right down the middle. It's either fifty-fifty, you were a Goosebumps or you were a scary stories person. Yeah, um, I was I a scary, stories scary, kid. Yeah, a scary stories. Yeah, you were scary stories kid too. Yeah. <laughs> I started there, and then I I moved over into Goosebumps too because obviously there were a lot more Goosebumps books to digest than there mm-hmm. were scary stories. Um, but my God, that that art. It was. You will so never bad. forget the art, like it's still might, to this day is. Yeah. I, I wish, and I, I don't know if there's anywhere that has them or if they ever go up for sale or any. I'd love to get original prints. Oh my god! From that and frame it because it's just amazing art. No one, well, I can't say no one draws like him. There are a bevy of people out there now that sure. reproduce the style, but at that time, growing up, there was nothing else out like that.
0: I remember being shocked that it was where it was. I think I, I think I first saw it at school, and yeah. I remember opening that book and being like. This isn't supposed to be here. <laughs> like, if they find out feeling. about these patients,
1: <laughs> yeah, I had the same feeling. I, I went to uh, a private school, like it was Roman Catholic, and this oh. was in the library of oh. that school. And like, I pull it out, and I'm like, scary stories. I'm like, oh, it's it's a kid book, you know. And I open it up, I'm like, holy, <laughs> like looking around, I'm like they know this is in here. Yeah, <laughs> like, I went to public monster. school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That's crazy. So, so okay. I never got to Goosebumps when I was a kid.
1: You okay. know, Goosebumps is really fun. Like, it's you know, it's obviously not. I I on a rate on a ratio, of scary. It's not anywhere near. I think is like, m- like scary wise as scary stories was. Right. But it was. They were just really fun books. Like I I read a scary story. I mean, I read a Goosebump book, and I always feel like it's like october it's halloween you know it it has that vibe it's like that kooky spooky kind of vibe to it
0: that's cool man
1: yeah but yeah uh, so those are what i started out with and then
0: what happened uh, after that
1: i see a bunch of his books behind you mr came along yeah yeah the first book i read of his was was cujo um i was still in private school at the time (laughs) so still roman catholic school i did a book report on cujo much to the chagrin of my english teacher (laughs)
0: Was it a, was it a, uh, was it a sister?
1: Uh, no, actually I, I, I missed that cutoff when they start, when they stopped having like nuns teach. Right. So it was just regular teachers at that time. Um, I probably, thankfully for me that that happened because I, <laughs> before the school even started, I heard all the horror stories of the, oh, nuns they were brutal, how man. They were, and I was just like, no, I want to have fun in school. Yeah. <laughs> like, So yeah, I I did that book report and it was one of those things like, well, why couldn't you just read like a classic or something? What's wrong with Treasure Island? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I was a huge fan of Stephen King uh, very early, like like so many people are. Yeah. Um, But my 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 getting there was a little different because my mom was like, if you're old enough to ask, you're old enough to know kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I was like watching these crazy movies you know the gorier the better it was like so much fun and i think between the age of like 11 and and or like maybe even 10 and 14 that was like the best was watching you know all the b horror flicks and oh yeah and um i remember uh pet cemetery scared the hell out of me
1: oh yeah and I was like, that was a good one. It. The sequel was even that oh. sequel was amazing as well.
0: I see. I haven't seen the sequel after the first one. I was like, I can't, I can't watch another one because it'll be ruined for me. In fact, I won't watch the original movie now. Cause I'm worried it won't be good <laughs> anymore. And I'll be like all <laughs> pissed off because I ruined it for myself. So in my mind, Zelda is the craziest thing ever. You okay. Know? I mean, still, you're, you're
1: still not wrong. I mean, that <laughs> scene's still like, what the hell? Is-? Yeah, Yeah.
0: <laughs> I freaked me out when I was a kid. And then, and then Misery came along, which by all accounts was more realistic, but obviously di- way different than Pet Cemetery. And yeah, mis- um, Misery
1: was frightening just because it's like th- that could happen. Yeah, it yeah. easily could happen. People are that unhinged. And there are some people that are readers that are that attached to the books that you write.
0: Right. And coincidentally, I can't figure out if it's the first book I read of Kings or if it's in the first three. But the gunslinger was actually oh. given to me by my best friend's mom. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Hey, if he likes scary stuff, this guy writes scary books and gave me a paperback copy of the gunslinger. Yeah. And I was hooked. I was like, Oh my God, this is so good. And yeah, then my go. grandma was like, Well, get him the eyes of the dragon because it doesn't have any bad stuff in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. The gunslinger is like Chef's Kiss. That's an amazing book. And like, yeah, that, that whole se- I love the whole Dark Tower series, but I've never come across a series where the first book as strong and as inviting as the gunslinger was for that series.
0: See, I feel that way, but there's a lot of people that don't they don't they think that it wasn't, you know, on par with what it could be. I'm like, man, it's great. Like I was going to share it with my son, but I was a little worried about this, you know.
1: Well, there always is that. There always is that meat in the middle because I I'm one of those people that the second book I was like oh god I wish I didn't (laughs) I wish this didn't exist.
0: (laughs) Are you talking about the drawing of the three?
1: Yeah, I could see that was. I was like we were on this beach for five (laughs) hundred pages. I felt the same way, man. I mean, I it was written beautifully. Yeah. The idea is extremely interesting of how he got these different characters together, but I was just like, oh my god, I went nowhere.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I got through the book and I was like, okay, next. Like yeah. I wasn't lingering. Wizard and Glass is my favorite of the of That's the series. That's a very good
1: one as well, yeah.
0: And um, I I've recently gone back and and revisited Wolves of the Kala, mm-hmm. Um because I remember when I originally read it, I was like, yeah, this is good, but it's you know I just kind of I think I still had a little bit of a hangover from Wizard and Glass, and I was like. <laughs> is it as good as it could be? I don't know. And now I went back and listened to it. I'm like, okay, it's it's been better this second time. I just got it on audiobook this time because I didn't have enough you know, bandwidth to sit down and read the book again.
1: Well, that's what I got to start doing for these thicker books. I don't have the time to open a book and read it. Plus there's like tiny hands that want to rip the pages out of the book. So yeah, I got to do audio, man. Like,
0: Yeah. Well, I had gotten an Audible subscription and I think I had like three or four books I had to make a decision because he was finishing the Dark Tower series while I was deployed. Like he'd put out like all these books toward the latter part of the series. And I wasn't I wasn't in the United States. And and I didn't want to ruin my experience with the book by forgetting so much since I'd last read them because I was reading them as they came out. So like so many other people, I've been reading them over years and I'm like, nope, I have so much respect for this series that I know I have to go back and revisit all these books again before I can continue. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, how the hell do I do that? Like I barely have enough time to sit down and read it as it is. And I'm like, I'm getting all those freaking books on audiobook now. So like <laughs> I started stacking them one every month for like, you know, forever. And, uh, I built up the first, uh, well, except for the gunslinger, I did reread the gunslinger again because I wanted to go back to where it started with the book.
1: Yeah. It's, it's so good. Man. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was so good. Um, I'm with you. You can, uh, I could have, i respect the drawing of the three but it's not i'm not going back right yeah i'd probably
1: skip that because yeah. i know where it goes
0: <laughs> i mean and it's really important the stuff that's in there i mean the second, is. second time i went through it uh i had a better appreciation for it but it was still a lot
1: i i i always also when i meet another king reader i i like to recommend under the dome if you haven't read it
0: yep very good
1: you have okay excellent yep. that's in my top five books of his and very good yeah that 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 book came along at a very busy time of my life and i sat. i'm like looking at this i'm like these are the types of books i used to use when i was a kid to reach the top shelf you <laughs> know i stacked them on the floor so i could reach the counter and i'm like how the hell is it how am i ever going to get through this but it was just pages at a time and yep i'm so glad i did that was one of the best books of his that i read during like that 2000s time because like before that book hit a lot of people were like oh he lost his magic i don't really know you know if he can really do this that well anymore and that book i'm like no he he still knows how to pull it together like i felt like i lived in this town like i knew all these people and the the weird stuff the one guy's son was into and yeah
0: (laughs) so did you read duma key
1: that one i have to get an audiobook for i haven't got to read that yet
0: you've got to read that book it's really good it's i think it's one of those like under discussed underrated king books i i think mm-hmm. duma key stood i mean it it wasn't it didn't feel uh like a like a full-on king book at first um until the guy gets where he's going in the keys and, and right. things start to happen but um, so I, I could have, you know, the beginning of the f- story was a little, a little frustrating for me, but afterward I was like, dude, that was a really good book. It's a great summer read. So if you're going to read Duma Key or listen to it, summertime's great because it's set in the Florida Keys and you kind of get this like Caribbean
1: oh, cool, cool.
0: feel to it. It's, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, In fact, I put on, I, I made a post on, I, do I have to call it X, Twitter or whatever? Like, I posted on there a couple, a couple of weeks back that I thought that was like one of the most underrated King books. And I almost got no responses on my post. (laughs) I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe my, my statement stands so true right now. Um, But uh, you know, I remember reading like Gerald's game, Rose matter, uh, all of them, right back to back to back as they were all coming out, same cover design series, like a a issue from the publisher and everything at the time. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I was, really? I was, I was with you, man.
1: It was a good time to grow up, like reading horror, honestly, because yeah, there was a lot out there. Like in major bookstores, I feel like when I was growing up in the '90s, horror was more prevalent in the bookstores than it is mm-hmm. today. Because like now, there some places are just like, oh, here's our bookshelf of right. horror. It's just King and Koontz. So, right. you know, if you can find something else in there, you know, whatever.
0: And anyone who wrote with them
1: right exactly oh there's a straw in there there you go
0: there's the talisman
1: yeah there's the talisman we have one copy of ghost story over here right that's your thing and it's and that's another one of those things i feel so bad for uh that that like ghost story i love that book but that's another one that i don't hear many people often mention when they talk about like their top five or top 10 horror stories of all time and that is an amazing i read it like every every like christmas december because it's like they all get together during like a snowstorm and they're telling these ghost stories and everything and i'm like this is awesome i don't know that i read that yeah you should read it it's really good all right um
0: i mean i've seen it i don't think i've read it because that was published back in the 90s right
1: i think it was published even before then i believe
0: okay i may i may i may have read it i mean it
1: was you know 30 and years. And again, now. I want to say I'm bad with dates, so please don't. Anybody <laughs> get I don't know.
0: You say that, but then, you know, then you pull Jason or uh Friday the 13th part yeah. eight out of your back pocket. <laughs> hey, it's 89, man. I got it. <laughs> so, so just to kind of recap the, 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 the wonderful launch of gore, um, before, before we move on and, 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 and give you your life back with your, your young one that you have to chase down somewhere before your wife kills you. Um, <laughs> what what's coming on the on the horizon for gore do you have promos are you doing any anything special for it is there anything really cool happening in the in the gore world
1: uh right now i have on hand uh physical copies that i'm i'm selling signed editions of if anybody's oh. interested in um, very cool you can reach out i i'm on like all, a lot of all the social media platforms but I don't want to bore you by telling you all my different handles to every single like one there is out there. <laughs> so um, I guess the easiest one to hit me at would be the, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Um, I'm at Matt underscore Wildison on there. If you're interested in, in grabbing one of those books, I I've been posting it every day. I'm sure I'm annoying the hell out of people with that post, but you gotta, you gotta put your stuff out there.
0: You know? dude, If you're not going to brag about your book, no one else is.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't. And that's for anybody who's listening to this, who might just be starting out. That's one thing I usually always stress, like, it's something you've poured your heart and soul into. Yep. Don't worry if you know, if you think you're going to annoy other people by shouting to the rooftops to the world that you've got this book. You know, don't tell us everyone does want to know. It's yeah. just the algorithms are so shitty <laughs> that not everybody's going to see it. And that's just that's yeah. kind of how it works right now. I, I I have faith that at some point in time, something some one of the ships is going to write and we're going to all be able to finally see things from each other again. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, I mean, Threads has been pretty nice. I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of what Substack stands for, I guess mm. you could say. And I've really been active on trying to build a little bit of a following and and publish stuff exclusively to Substack before I go to print. Like I I've, I've done a pre-edited version of my upcoming novella in a weekly series on Substack. Oh, and then when cool. I yeah, and then when I go to print it comes off Substack so I can go on KU, you know, so I can go nice. on Kindle Unlimited. You can keep up to 10% of your work off of Kindle Unlimited. So I'll probably keep chapter 1 on uh, Substack and just point to Kindle from there. Um, just to just to keep it there and alive, so people aren't like, "Dude, you just ripped the whole story off." Like, but you know, it's
1: hey, a good marketing tip for people too. There that's you a go, really good idea.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's that's one way to do uh, to do that. Um, but I'm with you, man. I, I I I tell a lot of my clients who a lot of my clients that come to me on my work side are coming to me to, to convert their books into courses and that type of thing. Nonfiction authors, I don't care if you're talking fiction or nonfiction. Oftentimes, that they have the same blocks and barriers, uh, yep. you know, and, and, um, I had to tell a client the other day, like, Hey, look, um, my mentor, Honoré Corder taught me that, um, that you should be proud of the work you produced. And it's not that you're pushing something on people they don't want, you know, your book's going to help somebody. So could you imagine right. the disservice you're going to do to them when you don't give them a really good story <laughs> or you don't give them something that could change their life, uh, you know, in the non, nonfiction world? Um, and, and maybe that's like that, maybe that becomes the book that some kid reads that ends up influencing them to become a writer in the future. You never know, man. Yeah. if You're not out there pushing it. It's never going to get pushed. You got to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I 100% co-sign with that.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, Matt, um, you, you told us where we can find you. You told us what's coming down the pipe. Um, I'm excited to see what comes uh, later, post-Gore, in the future, when you're publishing an, in a different space.
1: <laughs> well, you, you won't have to wait long.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> when's, your next,
1: when's your next release? Uh, hopefully for October, I'm going to have a short story collection out there. I have a <sighs> series I call the Horrors Untold series. This is going to be volume six. Hopefully we will be out in October. And I say hopefully just because... I gave a date for Gore initially, and I had to kick it back. So, right. <laughs> like projected for October. I I always love getting something out there in, o- in October, just because it's, it's spooky season. You got to yeah, get a book out. Absolutely.
0: Well, yeah. you know, we're gonna I, I task everyone that's listening to this with being an accountability buddy. If you don't see Matt's book <laughs> yeah. by October twentieth, start hitting him up. Yeah, harass the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So this way, I don't feel bad when I'm the only one reaching out to you. Hey, where's the book, man? Um, well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time out of your extremely busy day. I know this is time away from your young family, and I appreciate that uh, that that effort um, and you and you making the time to meet with us and share such a cool path to becoming a writer and all this stuff you're doing. I mean, I love it, man. It's been great. And hopefully I'll be able to talk to you again here in October when your next book's coming out, and we can we can brag about that one next.
1: I would absolutely love that. And I want to thank you for being so gracious to have me on. Um, like we talked a little bit before we hit record that, you know, when you want to try and get on podcasts and you just cast that net out of being like, Hey, I just want to anybody want to talk to me. And most of the time it's crickets, but you, yeah. you jumped in there and you're like, I would love to have you on. And I, like that means the world to me because that doesn't happen often. So, and I had a great time on this show, man. Like this was fantastic dude. I appreciate that. You
0: just made my whole day. And I got a copy back of my book today for my editor. And this just made my day. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I was already on a good note before I got here. But hearing that, man, you just like lifted me right up. So
1: no, well, you did the same for me today, my friend.
0: Appreciate you, brother. Um, guys, you go check out Matt. I mean, you could tell that uh, what he's doing is fun. It's exciting. It's entertaining. Gore's been great. Um, you get out there, pick up his stuff, uh, check him out, connect with him on all the socials and uh, let's keep this thing going, man. All right, Matt, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Thank you so much.
1: Hey, thank you.